Hashtag Finance presented to you by the Canadian Securities Exchange. Hey, my name's Anna Saren. I'm Director of Listings Development with the Canadian Securities Exchange. I am joined here on West Coast Wednesday. Actually, West Coast Wednesday was uh, on Wednesday, um, but we had some glitches in our live interview, so we decided to redo it because we thought the content would be really great for our watchers. Um, I am joined today by Anthony Sandler. He is an investment advisor with the Barber Group at Mackey Research Capital Corporation. Thank you so much for joining me, Anthony. Thanks for having me again, Anna. Absolutely. Pleasure. We got to hang out lots this week. This is a good thing. It's been really fun, considering how isolated I feel, and I'm sure you do too. <laughs> Listen, I'll let you start off by talking a little bit about um, what the Barber Group is, Mac, your research, and what you guys provide. Excellent. Well, the very first thing I'm going to do is just put up a disclaimer. And because you can't read that disclaimer, here it is. The information provided on this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide specific financial investment legal tax or accounting advice it should not be relied upon as such the contents of this podcast are not solicitation to buy or sell securities Mackey research capital corp is regulated by the investment industry regulatory organization of canada and is a member of canadian investor protection fund now back to the show Mackey is a full service investment dealer uh, full service means that we can advise on and sell pretty much any security from stocks and bonds to hedge funds and new issues. The Barber Group is a team within Mackey's uh, Vancouver office. We offer two distinct services that we like to think of as wealth uh, creation and wealth management. On the wealth creation side, we uh, focus on early stage companies with significant growth potential. And we offer, uh, we advise on trading strategies that offer uh, positive returns. And on the wealth management side, we advise clients on investment strategy and portfolio construction with an emphasis on customizations to clients' unique needs that we think is uh, lacking in the marketplace. Well, and I think it's a really unique and wonderful offering that you guys have, which is really kind of the, you know, having both the wealth creation and, and the wealth preservation. I think even investors that like to get into the small mid cap space and have that opportunity to participate directly in companies, um, you know, they still also need their financial planning done, asset allocation and, um, you know, kind of the, the, the holistic approach to investing. So I think it's wonderful what you guys offer as a group. Um, why don't we just jump right into it? Tell me a little bit about what is going on in the markets. Obviously, you and I are speaking, um, you know, it is the beginning of April. Uh, we have now experienced about three-ish weeks um, under the COVID-19 pandemic that the, you know, the globe is all feeling together. But uh, in Canada, what are, what are we experiencing in, in the capital markets from your perspective? Sure. Well, I think all of the equity markets around the world are kind of experiencing the same thing. And in, in the broadest sense, we'd say it's that uncertainty has been king. Um, without any knowledge of the length of the impact from the pandemic or the depth of that impact on the economy, price discovery, which is our ability to put a price on a stock, is severely limited. Um, so analysts who follow specific companies, they tend to assign multiples of a specific factor to come up with a target price. Uh, they'll use a factor like revenue or cash flow. Um, if we don't know how long companies are going to be, you know, we can kind of figure out how much they might be losing a week or a month. But if we don't know how long that's going to take, then it's really hard to, to make a guess. So what we're seeing is analysts kind of slash prices across the board. Um, 
and then when the when the news of the pandemic first kind of started hitting North America and and the developed economies uh, in late February and early March, people were rightfully nervous, and so they started selling. Um, and the buyers weren't there because the buyers didn't really know what was happening, what was going on. So that uncertainty didn't really uh, bring a floor up under prices. Uh, so you had a very fast sell-off with almost every asset class losing value, except for perhaps the US dollar and, and treasuries. Um, typically we call it uh, repricing when something shocks the markets, uh, but the market is very quick to absorb that information and, and put those new prices out. This I think was more of a depricing situation where you know, because there's just not enough information, people weren't willing to to shore up prices, and and that's why we had such a quick fall of of almost thirty five percent on the 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 stock indexes around the world. Well, and I think one thing that's interesting to point out because um you know obviously uh, as as a market as a whole we're fairly fickle, uh we're fairly fickle in our investments, but um you know the market was seeing some softening right before this all happened anyway, and and I think that there really was this intense um, rush in the retail markets. There was new investors and unsophisticated investors coming to market. They love certain sectors that were coming into play. Um, I think uh, from an analyst point of view, there wasn't a lot of fundamentals. Some of the companies that you know, were um, substantiating certain share prices weren't necessarily on their fundamentals. And it was just that, that incredible support from a retail market. Um, we saw that starting to soften uh, you know, before this all happened. So I think it'll be really interesting to watch because this is uncharted territory, I think, for, for investors, for analysts, and, and you know, for companies out there as well that are within the capital markets. Yeah, um, totally. why, don't you, why don't you jump in a little bit into what, like, what are the markets looking for? So now we know where we're at. What, what are we looking for? What happens next? Yeah. The markets are looking for information. So analysts need data points to build their models. Uh, without hard information about specifically the length of time that we're going to be uh, dealing with the closure of you know, large swaths of, of our economy, uh, we're basically working on conjecture and, and guesswork. Uh, so nobody really wants to put their clients or their own money on the line. Um, the other compounding if, issue is no one's gonna, no one can really say how long the the efforts to flatten the curve are going to go on, uh, or if people are going to continue to make the effort. So we will start to see some economic data for March come out um, over the next few weeks. We've seen the Chicago Purchasing Managers Index, which wasn't as low as as the market might have expected. Um, we'll get, uh, you know, the big ones will be uh, retail sales uh, in a few weeks and uh, the real estate numbers, as well as the first quarter uh, GDP estimates, which happened at the very end of April. And that's going to really show us, okay, just how deep a hole are we in? Uh, the one thing we have seen so far, and, and we get every week are the job numbers. Uh, you know, so we have over 2 million uh, filing for unemployment insurance in Canada and over 9 million in the States. Uh, to put that in perspective, in 2008 and 2009, I don't think we even got to 9 million people uh, filing jobless claims. So this is a, a really large, massive event to the economy. Um, and the, the real question is, how long does it go on? Um, so until we don't, you know, the, once the government stimulus starts to flow, it's going to help a lot. But again, the longer this goes on, the more it's going to affect the individual components of the economy, which are people and businesses. Well, and I think we could all feel that a little bit um, as the week carried on, because, uh, you know, first of all, listen, uh, you know, we're all in a little bit of shock. We're all trying to wrap our head around what this looks like. 
we're all just trying to figure out where in the house we can get work done, right? Yeah, I mean, I know you have a little guy at home as well. Um, you yeah, know, where yeah. we have Wi-Fi working. I but tried I, the basement, that didn't work very well for this sort of thing. That's right. But I think the one thing that really kind of came into reality for us all uh, this week was that it was April 1st and this first month of, you know, rent and mortgage and lease and um, paychecks and, you know, all of our financial commitments, you know, just generally as a general, you know, population, as well as, um, you know, the real numbers coming in, you know, that even have to do within the capital market. So, um, you know, I think it's something that obviously, you know, we hope this isn't a long term um, event in our lives and that uh, there will be some recovery. Um, but based on that, how low do you think that this could go at some point or how long, how low? Well, I mean, stuff to say, I would say right now we're in a relief rally. Um, I think it's very easy and natural to get complacent and think that the selling is over. Um, but I think in all likelihood, those who have, were going to sell originally have probably sold. So now we've got people buying to try to trade, trade this big move. Um, something is going to scare these traders uh, and they, the bottoms will get retested. And the question is not, are we in a V-shaped recovery on the stock market, which is where we go down and we go back up. I, I think that's very far-fetched. I think it's more likely to be a W shape where we go down, come back up, and then go down again. The question is, do we take that previous low and stay there, or do we go even lower? And I think the answer is only going to be known when we have a better idea from, from governments how long they expect us to stay in and how long they expect businesses to stay closed and how long they can keep supporting all of us. So, you know, the, the governments around the world are making a coordinated effort here, which is great to inject liquidity into the capital markets and into the credit markets, but also to directly give money to businesses and to individuals. Um, how long will that go on? We don't know. But right now it's you know, three months, four months, five months. That's all money that's probably gonna end up back in the economy, which is good. But if this drags on, uh, at some point you'll start seeing less of that ability for governments to go out and, and give money directly to people and then businesses will close permanently and then we could be in very, very dire straits. So the stock market is going to be looking for that information. And if it thinks we're going to get to that really bad place, then the stock market will go lower than it did before. Right. Now, listen, uh, you know, on the CSC, a lot of our issuers um, or listed companies are small to medium sized enterprises. Do you have any specific advice on how you would approach that, uh, you know, based on what you just mentioned? Yeah, well, SMEs are typically less correlated to the broader stock market. Uh, they're working in niche, niche, uh, niche markets of their own, so they have to be analyzed individually. Uh, what you really want to look for are where the revenues come from, if they have revenues. Uh, if they're pre-revenue, then it's really a, a cash issue. Do they have cash to sustain their burn rate? Um, if sales are going to be declining, then do they have cash to sustain their business throughout you know, six months, 12 months, or, or even two, two years? Um, and do they have good management who can keep those costs in check? Um, further, if they don't have the cash for it, do they have access to capital through a strategic, event, uh, strategic investor, for example, or an online, un undrawn line of credit? Um, mostly what you want to look for is communication from these companies, that they're out there talking to their investors, that they're putting their plans forward and saying, here's what's going to affect us, here's some of the possible outcomes, and here's what we're going to do to mitigate the effects. Um, if you're not hearing from them, then pick up the phone and call Investor Relations. These are, you know, smaller issuers with, uh, they should be very approachable. I mean, any company you invest in should have a good Investor Relations department. 
but with issuers on the CSE especially, I've always found them to be really responsive. Uh, so call them up, and if the company has a plan that seems feasible and, uh, and, and it's a good plan, then well, I, I'd feel comfortable staying with them. Well, I hope I hope that is the case for CSE issuers. You know, I think I think to your point that you just made. You know, one thing that was really interesting, and and who knows where this is going to take things, but you know, there was always this. Um, there was always a little bit of additional. Um, uh, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? <laughs> um, there's a little bit more risk. Excuse me, I'm I'm too many days in in solitude. There's a little bit more attached risk to let's say U.S. cannabis companies because it is still federally illegal. Um, but what we've seen in the past uh, few weeks, and this was a bit of a surprise to us all, was to find out that, um, you know, cannabis in the states where it is legal, whether recreational or medical, is considered an essential service. So there are some cannabis companies down in the U.S. that are doing unbelievably well in this moment. Nobody could have predicted this to happen. Nobody could have predicted that they'd necessarily be considered an essential service. You know, I've heard there's towns in the U.S. where they have, you know, a grocery store, a pharmacy, and a cannabis store open. That's it. So, you know, I think to your point earlier about small to medium sized enterprises, we are a bit more unique. We're usually emerging markets and usually fit sometimes in a very different way to what's going on a global scale than, than um, you know, a more senior company. Yeah. I, if I could just say, I mean, what I would look for from the cannabis space over time is, is to just act more like the staple that it is. I mean, smokers smoke, people who use marijuana use marijuana and people who drink drink. Um, in good times or bad times. And in fact, they might stock up a little bit extra and you might have a, a, you know, a little bit of a, a burst in revenue for a lot of these companies. Um, one thing that's been very interesting about this whole uh, market event is that you know, typically things like utilities, uh, liquor companies, grocery stores, a lot of them don't get affected as much because they are the staples. They're where people's dollars have to go. I think partly because of fear and partly because of passive investing, we're seeing a lot of names that shouldn't be going down, going down, and, and there might be some good opportunities there. Yeah. So what do we look for to give us a sense, uh, or where, where should we look to give us a sense where the market's going to go? Yeah, so I, I like to look at the credit markets. Um, uh, interest rate spreads are the difference between a risk-free asset like the federal funds rate and something like uh, AAA bonds or high-yield bonds or even the rates that banks loan money to one another. Uh, the credit market participants are very sophisticated. So you're going to get your first real sense of where the economy is going by watching the credit markets. Uh, the bigger the spreads, the worse things are going to get. Uh, what we happened originally here was there was a bit of a divergence between the equity markets where I felt there was a bit more panic and fear and the credit markets, which we took a slightly more measured approach. Uh, part of that might be because of all the stimulus, you know, $2 trillion, which flowing into everything is going to help keep uh, the credit markets uh, you know, uh, moving, keep them easy, easy, eased, uh, I guess you could say. Um, and then as this relief rally happened, you actually saw the credit spreads going up. So again, the opposite direction. But over the past couple of days, we started to see them move in conjunction. So it seems like the two are, are kind of in sync right now, expecting a pretty good recession, um, but not, not quite as bad as 2008, 2009. Now, again, when we start to get a sense of where we are actually going, that information will be processed and you know, we, we still might see much lower lows and much bigger spreads in the credit market. Um, it, if, sorry, sorry I, I would just continue to say that, as I did say, look for that retest of the lows on, uh, on the big equity markets. Right. Um, and this can be a really good opportunity for people with cash 
uh, or for those looking to add a qual you know, quality securities to their portfolio, right. um, you really have to be aware of your time horizon. So, you know, if you're investing for the long term, then there's going to be some great opportunities here. So listen, uh, I don't want to put you on the spot here because I didn't prepare you for this, but um, one, one question we've been asking all of our interviewees over the past two weeks, um, and it, it, it's fairly relevant and I think um, a good resource is where do you, when you wake up in the morning right now, whether it's looking at the capital markets, global markets, or just general news, do you have a, do you have a spot that you go to of one spot in particular that you find is a good resource for people to take a look at every day when they're taking a look at what's happening in the markets? Uh, so at night, I always check the futures, um, right. usually twice, usually once after dinner and once right before I fall asleep. Uh, so I either go to CNBC or Bloomberg and, and just check the futures to see where the markets are looking like they're going to open. Okay. Um, the F Federal Reserve of St. Louis has a website called FRED. Um, and on FRED, you can search all sorts of fantastic information. This is geeky stuff. But if you just Google FRED interest rate spreads, you'll see a big list of, of all of the interest rate spreads I was talking about. And you can kind of get a sense of, of what the, the credit markets are, are feeling. Yeah. Um, there's one that's not on that page, which is the uh, high yield spread. But if you search ice, Fred ice high yield spread, that'll give you that one. And uh, I mean, that, that got up over 10, which is, is pretty high. So that means people are really expecting foreclosures and bankruptcies. Right. Um, but it's come back down towards uh, into the eights. So. Sorry, this is probably really boring for you. Other than that, I, I read the Globe and Mail, and I try to keep my uh, my media consumption limited to, uh, you know, the big papers that I feel like have uh, a good editorial board. Well, you know, a few of our um, interviewees have have all kind of actually mirrored the same sentiment. Um, a lot more reading than watching. Um, you know, there's certain things that uh, at the moment you want to watch, but I think most people are feeling that there's just a, a lot of fear mongering and, and that's not helpful to us all as we're sitting at home. So, you know, finding good quality sources and, and doing your reading as far as your due diligence on what's happening. I definitely um, stay off of social media as much as I can, or at least I skip all of the stuff about this virus because I find there's just too much bad information. Not after today because I'm putting you on social media. You're going to you're going to be on social media after this. <laughs> forget that last part <laughs> listen um on a short-term horizon um whether you're an investor or participant in the capital markets what's your thoughts on a short term so you know sadly if, you, if you're already in the process of drawing down your accounts uh if you have to take money out for something that you purchased or a renovation anything you can't put off i i really do feel badly because it's not the really good time to be selling things to, to raise capital. Hopefully, if you're with a good investment advisor, they've kept you in enough cash to fund the next year or two or even three years. Um, you know, if that's the case, the worst thing you can try to do is trade your way out of this, uh, which is unfortunate. You know, trading is fun, but I think trading should be done with, with money that you can afford to lose. Um, you know, if you're an investor and you have need for your money, then there's not much you can do. Well, and I think that I think one thing that, you know, is incredibly important in that statement is that how would you possibly know what, uh, you know, if you are going to have to access some cash, this is the moment if there ever was one to have some professional advice. So, you know, for people who are out there who are trying to manage their own portfolios, this is really a good moment in life to reach out to some of the amazing professionals that we have in Canada, um, such as yourself and, um, you know, get some proper advice on 
if you need to sell something, what in your portfolio you should be selling, what you should be holding on to. This is not um, a moment that you want to try and figure this out on your own. And I think if, if you have the proper financial planning advice and you're able to carry forward on your plan as such, there's some amazing buying opportunities, right? I agree. And, and it's, it's funny, but we almost always do the wrong thing, unfortunately, because of the emotional way that we approach our money. Um, you know, now is the time to actually go to 100% equities. If you, you know, well, not right this second, but over the next five or six months and, and then, you know, five, six, seven years into a bull market, that's when you should start increasing your fixed income allocation. And that's usually the opposite of what you see. People come out of these situations nervous. They never want to invest in equities again. They only want GICs or, you know, and then over time, they've got an investment advisor pushing them to take more risks so they can try to get better returns. And you actually end up with people with, their highest allocation to equities always right before an event like this happens. Not that you could have foreseen this, but you know, just something was going to happen to bring this bull market to, uh, to an end. Uh, well, and to that point, what, to that point, talk to us a little bit about what in this moment in time would be a long-term horizon. What should we sure, so like, think about from the moment I'm at in my place right now um, to, you know, my retirement in this moment in time, what should I be thinking about? So yeah, if you've got you know 10 years, 15 years, or 20 years, you can go out and you can build a really high quality portfolio. Uh, so my advice would be to work with your advisor to build it, build a portfolio now. Don't go out and buy it, but build it, put all the pieces into place. What do you want to own? Uh, and then over the next five or six months, buy when things are down and, and sell when things are up. So get rid of things that you don't really like anymore or that you don't think are going to be a part of your investment strategy for, for the next five or six, 10 years. Yeah. Um, you want to spread the trading out. So you really want to average into those down days. Um, it's really, really hard to do. It's almost impossible to time the market when there's so much volatility in it. Uh, so feel free to celebrate when you get it right, but you really, you don't want to stress if you miss a short-term bottom or top. Um, and, you know, again, we always do the wrong thing. Use your emotion as a guide to tell you what not to do. So if you're looking at, at stock quotes or if you're looking at portfolio and you're actually feeling ill, that's not the day to sell. That's actually a good day to buy. And if you start feeling like really giddy and excited, that's usually <laughs> the time to take some money off the table and, and, uh, and, and rein it in a little bit. Well, and again, get some professional advice. You know, when you're taking a look at those, there are people out there such as yourselves that, you know, this is what you guys do for a living and this is what you've been trained to do. So we need to make sure that we turn to our professionals to help us in these moments. Um, you know, even though for our professionals, we're doing our best to figure out what this all looks like. We've never had uh, anything like this happen, uh, you know, in, in our time in the markets, uh, let alone, I don't know if these types of uh, scenarios have ever happened at all. Um, speaking of that kind of long-term horizon, you know, maybe you could, maybe you could dive in, uh, maybe high level, what is a high quality portfolio? So in the long term, what, what would you consider high quality? Yeah. I mean, of course it depends on the individual and your risk tolerance is really big. Like how much you can stomach those month to month changes in your portfolio value, uh, value. But for me, it's a balanced portfolio with an allocation to fixed income securities like corporate bonds. Uh, as well as income producing equities like preferred shares and dividend paying companies and then alternatives i think they're so important uh, gold real estate commodities uh, even hedge fund strategies if you're an accredited investor um, now just to give you a heads up a lot of these are going to be easier to price uh, than growth stocks for example so i think that the pricing will get more firm more quickly on higher quality stocks um, the premium that's placed on growth is going to take a while to determine. And I think there's going to be lots of opportunities to buy those growth stocks down the line. 
we also don't know what the thesis is going to be going into the next cycle. My hunch before all of this started was, uh, you know, healthcare, sustainability, electrification, and connectivity were going to be, you know, the big growth stories over the next uh, economic cycle. Uh, there's certainly going to be a push towards improving healthcare after an event like this, but we also don't know, unfortunately, in the absolute worst case, if demographics can be changed. And, you know, sadly, th this is a, you know, this is a giant healthcare event and a giant human catastrophe. And while we sit here and we talk about the markets and we talk about our portfolios, I do think it's really important to just take a moment and, and focus our attention on the fact that this is a human tragedy. Um, people are dying and people are scared and there's large, large swaths of the population that are in a very precarious position. Uh, businesses are going to be strained and a lot could possibly go under. Um, so I hope that we come out of this with more compassion for each other and a desire to work together on a, a local level and a national level and even a global level. Oh, Anthony, you're, you know, you're such a wonderful guy. I can't, I can't thank you enough for ending on that note. And I think that's really important for all of us to remember as we go through this. Um, I feel like I've had a rare opportunity just in the past two weeks to get to know some of my colleagues better, such as yourself, um, you know, on a more personal level, uh, when you chat with people, find out, you know, can I help you in some way? Um, so, yeah, I think that's something that's incredibly important for us to carry forward. So thank you very much for bringing up that side of things. Listen, um, thank you so much for your insights. I really hope that you'll come back and join me because I have a feeling that, um, you know, we're going to be watching this very carefully and, and especially digitally for some time. Everyone's you know, doing their best to stay at home. I think Vancouver, although uh, there, there's been some blips, I think Vancouver's done a great job at respecting, you know, the social distancing experiment that we're working on. Um, so if you're up for it, would you come back and join me again? Absolutely. And now that I've figured out how to properly connect to the internet stably for longer periods. Live and sure. learn. <laughs> and I'm so, I'm so honestly, I'm from Ontario. I moved from Toronto just a few years ago and I'm so proud to live in British Columbia. I think everyone here is doing a fantastic job. Uh, and the numbers speak for, you know, the numbers speak to that. And I hope we can just keep it up and, and be patient and, and do what's best for, for everyone's health and well-being. A hundred percent. Yeah. Well, listen, thank you again, Anthony. Um, you can find uh, Anthony's contact information at the Mackey Research website. You can probably also find all of the disclaimers um, that the compliance would like you to take a look at. Um, but again, I would just like to say there are some wonderful professionals out there that can help provide us with some guidance in these moments. So make sure that you are getting as much professional advice as possible. Um, and Anthony, let's figure out uh, when we can have this conversation again. Thank you again. That'd be great. And uh, the, I'll give you the website if it's okay. It's uh, barbergroup.mackeyresearch.com. Barbergroup.mackeyresearch.com. Thank you, Anthony. Have a wonderful night. Thanks, Anna. You too. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Hey, it's James here from the CSE, reminding you that if you just enjoyed this episode of Hashtag Finance, there's a lot more. Make sure you subscribe to the show, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and more. Shows come out at least twice a week, so please do not miss out. Also, if you're on Instagram, please don't forget to follow at Canadian Securities Exchange. We are hosting live daily content with great guests discussing the capital markets, entrepreneurship, and much more. And finally, if you like video, please subscribe to CSE TV on YouTube. You can find more great stuff, including exclusive series content like Between Two Rocks and On the Street in Davos. As always, thank you for listening.